You are listening to the Critical Mass Radio Show, Orange County's business talk show focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies with your host, Richard Franzi. And welcome to today's episode of Critical Mass Radio Show. Uh, I am your host, Rick Franzi. Madison Alexander Public Relations was a Cybersecurity Excellence Award winner for Best Marketing Agency just this year in 2016 and was also on the top 20 PR firms for IT services. Madison Alexander can help clients reach their goals and build momentum, which is crucial in startups and small to middle-sized companies. They help create mindshare for your company, your products, your experts. Joining us today is Principal of Madison Alexander. His name is Dan Shimolensky. How do you do? You did fine. Great. Joining us today, as I said, is Dan, and he's going to talk to us a bit about what he's done to make his firm the best in the PR space, as well as his career journey. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. It's nice to be on the radio again. It's my pleasure. You know, if you'd like to learn more about our radio show or the CEO peer groups that I lead, visit my company's website, Critical Mass for Business, F-O-R, business.com, or you can call or text me at this number, 949-887-4104. If you listen to us live on the stream on OC Talk Radio, give me an hour because I'm here in the studio doing a live interview. If you listen to a podcast, yeah, give me a call if it's a reasonable time. Tell me a little bit about your background, Dan. How did, how did you get to the where you are today? Well, that's a, it's a long and interesting journey. I, I started in, uh, in college, actually. I went to Utica College at Syracuse University. And uh, we had gone from a Division three athletic program to Division one, and they had brought in Larry Costello as a head coach. Um, and he was the, apparently had played high school basketball for the college president. And um, so it was a really interesting time because we weren't that great of a team. You know, we would lose to teams like Oneonta State and Potsdam State. And we went from losing to those teams to losing to teams like Pitt Hmm. and, you know, Dartmouth, stuff like that. Um, So I wound up getting a full tuition fellowship to be the assistant sports information director. And that was basically a time in sports PR. And I was primarily responsible for the women's basketball team. And um, we had a fantastic um, women's program and a, a great coach and a great player. And uh, through some of the efforts that I had put together on a very tiny budget, um, the college got its first All-American athlete, a woman by the name of Sharon Like. Hmm. And I think she's still somewhere in upstate New York today and holds a bunch of records. But okay. um, And that was my first taste of it. And then the next year, uh, they had promoted me to full-time SID. And at the time, I was one of two full-time students that was a sports information director at a Division One school. It was wow. a lot of fun. Wow. So, okay. So, cover the gap between, that must have been like right. 10 or 15 years ago, <laughs> to, to today. All right. I, I had worked for a couple of small agencies uh, in the Syracuse area. I worked for a uh, satellite TV manufacturing company that made all of the systems. So, I learned all about signal distribution. Um, and I realized that upstate New York, we had a, uh, the company wasn't doing so well. Uh, and they had a, a big layoff. So, I'm out there. I went, wound up going back into radio, actually doing ra- news radio for a uh, uh, news for a country in Western Station, and um, mm. and uh, I, I wound up getting hired as a marketing uh, a communications person at a, a local area networking firm in the Boston area, and I spent nine years in Boston. I worked for a combination of large and small manufacturers and then um, large and small agencies, and I wound up inheriting 
security because no one seemed to want it. But back then, we really didn't have the World Wide Web. Things yeah, were kind right. of a closed environment. Security was a support stepchild. And I wound up just developing a um, you know relationship with the industry analysts out there and the media that covered that space and the reporters that covered that space. And then, the, lo and behold, the World Wide Web comes to being. I wound up leaving Boston. I followed my wife out to Orange County. She was uh, took a job as a tech writer for the Orange County Register. Did she know you were coming? Yeah, when she, you followed oh, yeah. How far? Yeah, I, you... I always wanted to live in this part of the country, believe it or not. So it wasn't a hard thing to do. Exactly. But um, it wound up, you know, I've, I and in the last um, twenty five years, I have only worked. Um, mostly for security technology companies, with the exception of um, one year where I worked for a customer relationship management software provider for about a year and a half. So let's talk about Madison Alexander sure. then. Is that is that an area of focus? I mean, in the open, we, we talk about mm-hmm. how you're recognized kind of in those industries. Right. So is that an area of focus for the, well, for the firm? Well, we do. We're a technology company. I have networking uh, product companies. I've got enterprise software companies. I've got internet platform companies. But about 75% of my clients are in IT security. Mm-hmm. Uh, very little um, overlap with them. I mean, it's just the sort of thing that um, we've developed a specialty. Last year, we were invited to join a global consortium called the Code Red Network, which is a, um, a consortium of PR firms all around the world that specialize in IT security, and it's a by-invitation list. So we were the first American agency to join, and uh, they just invited a second agency out of the Washington, D.C. area called the Merit Group, and we have this interesting partnership because the clients that I chase are very different from the clients they chase. They're going after the very large companies with, you know, um, hundreds of millions of dollars in revenue, and I'm going after. I, I like the, the startups, the smaller companies, Why? the innovators. The, the cool stuff that happens with these okay. people. Honestly, uh, the most interesting work that that you can see, the most interesting technology. Uh, you know, bigger companies out there don't innovate as much. They they need something, they go out and buy it. Right. And I'm working with the people that buy it. And when I lose a piece of business, it's typically for you know one of three reasons. The first one is my clients get acquired. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it's like, oh, it's been great. And then what happens is 18 months later, the people that I work with call me up and say, hey, I've got this new thing. Let's get started again. <laughs> right. And that's how it goes. Um, okay. And the other two reasons are we get regime change. Um, a new VPN marketing comes in with a client that I've been working with, and they've got people they've worked with before. And that's okay because I get business that way, too. Can't really complain about that. And, and on a rare occasion, sometimes the client just runs out of money or they need to um, you know, bring it inside or whatever. And that happens, too. So, Dan, tell me, doing public relations, mm-hmm. that's, that's one thing. But doing it inside an industry where there's a lot there can be a lot written about failures in network security and breaches etc yeah right so you're in this interesting space of um, not only doing the positive press Mm -hmm. but you're also maybe having the times to kind of counteract what's going on in the marketplace that So tell me about well, that from a per- well, public uh, relations you know, professional. We, we just got back from the Black Hat Conference in Las Vegas, which is the first week of August every year, and it's, you know, Africa hot and Las Vegas at that period of time. And, you know, you'll run into people <laughs> from Stripes. Um, is that Bill Murray I from Stripes? Can't remember it was, where it came or from? Or was it? Uh, okay. Uh, uh, you know, anyway, I drank sorry. It from somewhere. Sorry, ladies and gentlemen. No, no problem. And, um,. But, you know, you run into, like, cabbies and uh, bartenders, and they'll say, do I have anything to worry about? I said, don't log into any free Wi-Fi. And Why? R- because they're probably set up by some of the hackers out there so they can get access to your phone. <laughs> um, send out spam under your name. Uh, if you've got a banking app on your phone, they're going to get in there. Uh, so, you know, I, and a number of the press that I work with show up at that conference with burner phones. This is my phone number for the week. Oh, great. So we've got a list of everybody's burner phone to, so we can communicate with them that week. So there's just a lot of th- and then And the other thing is... Helping people understand, you know, things like, you know, helping my mother-in-law understand that, no, American Express did not send that to you. They don't need your 
password. They did not say. I know it looks like it came from American Express, but honestly, it's not. And here's how you can tell. Uh-huh. Um, and then like, I was, we were, um, we were at uh, some friends of ours house uh, over the weekend and um, uh, visiting. And uh, this one friend is a CEO of a manufacturing facility in San Bernardino County, and uh, he was telling me that his company got hit with a CEO phishing scam this week. And, and what happened is his financial person gets an email that looks like it's from him saying, please wire $23,000 to this one um, bank and take care of it for me at the end of the day. And she said, which account do you want me to use? And the, the scammers actually replied from the main checking account. And she's getting ready to leave for lunch. She goes, I took care of that wire for you. He said, what wire? He goes, oh my God. you wanted me to wire some money. He goes, I did not. So she goes, come to my office. And she shows him the email. And it looks like it came from him. And he goes, nope, I didn't send that. They called their bank right away and stopped it. It was on its way to a bank in Africa. Wow. It would have been goodbye $23,000. That's the latest thing out there. So, you know, the thing is, technology changes dramatically. When I worked in the local area networking industry, buying a network interface card for your computer so you could connect to the network, it was a $1,300 product. Now it's a $5 chip. Buying a hub to connect four computers was, you know, a $2,000 purchase. Now you can get them anywhere for like 4 or $5. So, you know, security is one of those areas, frankly, for me, where no matter how much the technology seems to change, you still got to worry about Bob who's clicking on the wrong link in your network right. and opening your, your network up to a lot of stuff. I like to tell folks about, you know, I'm not really worried about the Iranian nuclear program affecting us because the, the Department of Defense and the CIA put together this wonderful virus called Stuxnet, which mm-hmm. uh, is just devastating. It can just bring a network to its knees. And what we did is we put it on a bunch of key fobs, and somebody dropped them in the parking lot at the Iranian nuclear facility. The engineers picked them up and goes, oh, what's this? They plug it in their network and... There you go. Infected everything. What an easy way to do yeah. that, huh? Or People think they're getting around, something for free. Yeah, you're walking around Hollywood Boulevard, for example, and, and somebody says, hey, you got music. Here's free music. Here's my free CD. Try it out. You pop it into your computer, and it's, there's a virus on it, and it affects you. Right. So you've got to really be careful about stuff like this. So, so mm-hmm. Madison Alexander, what is up with that name? My daughter's name is Madison. My son's name is Alexander. My wife is a technology journalist, and we, um, even though we're both involved in the same general business, our our professional lives seldom intersect. Is she still writing for the Orange County Register? No, she she was at the LA Times, and then she was at Recode for a while. Uh, She's going to be doing some work for USA Today um, uh, next month at the CTIA conference. But the thing is is that she's a, a, a technology journalist, and every now and then I have PR people that try to get to her through me, and I don't like that so i just no no i don't do that because i don't do that to other people that are right you know it's one of those things i mean we, we met in college you know we've been married for a while so it's one of those things okay so we're, we're gonna have to take a short break here sure. my engineer's telling me it's time out when we come back i'm gonna i want to ask you to explain why and how a small company middle market company or a startup can benefit from spending money on public relations one of my favorite things to talk all right about. we'll be right back ladies and gentlemen after this word from our sponsor which is me Richard Franzi is the author of two popular business books for CEOs. His first book, Critical Mass, The Ten Explosive Powers of CEO Peer Groups, was the first book ever written on the secret value of CEO peer groups. His second book, now with newly updated information, is Critical Mass, The Power of CEO Guiding Principles. Richard's books contain powerful information to help CEOs running middle market companies gain valuable insight to improve their decision-making skills. Richard's books are available as paperbacks or Kindle versions from Amazon.com. To find them, type Richard Franzi in the search box. 
like I said, live radio, take two. You're listening to the Critical Mass Radio Show. I'm your host, Rick Franzi. All our shows can be heard anytime on iTunes, Stitcher, Spreaker, several hundred former guests' websites whose CEOs have appeared on our show. Since we started in 2009 with our radio show and podcast, we've reached over 200,000 listeners with our variety of shows. Simply type in these four words, Critical Mass Radio Show, in your favorite podcasting software platform, and you'll get our weekly shows with interesting guests like Dan Shemolinsky. Okay, so I'm an entrepreneur, or I'm a CEO, business owner of a smaller middle market uh, tech firm in security. What type of public relations should I be looking for working with you? Well, one of the differentiating factors of my firm is that we have experienced people working there. Everyone that works for me has, you know, 20, 25 years experience. And the, and the reason being is that we've seen everything. We know how to manage a product review. We know how to do a product launch. We know how to do analyst relations. We know how to do social media. We can help if you have a crisis situation. We, we've been through it all. You're going through a merger and acquisition? We can, we've got a plan already written about how to communicate depending on which side of the merger and acquisition you're on. Right. And you said earlier uh, that happens quite frequently. Yeah, it so. does. Yeah, it does. And, um, you know, I mean, no offense, I, there's some great young professionals out there. They can go somewhere else and, and learn, and then they can come work for me later. But, you know, the thing is, I really look for people that uh, have uh, experience in technology, value the experience. And I think that there's a, a different uh, take going on right now in technology that it's viewed as a young person's industry, and it's really not. I mean, there, there are, you know, there's a lot of uh, institutional knowledge out there that experienced people really have. And we're also in the relationship business. I mean, we build relationships with the media, with uh, industry analysts, with with bloggers, with um, reporters and editors. I mean, they come to trust us on a number of things. So what we really try to do is get our clients out there and become thought leaders in an area of security. It's changed very much. About 15 years ago, it was very product news focused. Today, it's thought leadership focused. If you almost mention your product in the context of a quote reacting to a story, it almost uh, assures that you're not going to be in the story. So I'm not looking first paragraph or the headline, or I'm really looking to own the second, third, or fourth paragraph, right. or even less, because that's where the context comes in for the news. Okay. Um, uh, for example, you know, I'm just pulling up some stuff here. Um, states warn against possible attack, and then you know, my clients will react to the story. And that's the first, you know, the lead lead sends. The states are being warned about it, what kind of attacks. And then my clients will come in and say, yeah, these are the ones we think are going to be the ones that are going to happen first. So you've got to really guard yourself against that. Mm-hmm. And that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking to own that paragraph. Uh, I'm looking to be a news disruptor, if you will. So when you use the term thought leadership, you want your clients to kind of focus on that. Define that a little bit more. For um, sure. A, a thought leader is, a, if you're thinking out there of, of search engines, the first one that comes to mind for most people is Google. But there's also, you know, there's Bing. I mean, Alta Vista used to have a great search engine. Yahoo used to be a search engine. I mean, you know, but the thought leader... That Netscape. Comes in, right. Nets, well, Netscape was a, a, one of the great browser companies. And, you know, everyone complained about Internet Explorer being integrated with Windows, how that was a, an unfair practice. Yeah, well, I believe the founders of Netscape said they just wanted their God-given right to 90% of the browser market at uh-huh. one point. So, I mean, that was okay for them to have a dominant share, but not anyone else. Right. So, it's it's a sort of being a thought leader is, uh, for example, I have a, a client in New Jersey that the CEO is asking the sales guys, so how, how are things going? And they were saying, you know, it's funny, when I do cold calls now... Um, People have read about us. They've, they've heard about us in the media. They, it's a familiar name to them. So it's easier for them to break the ice and, and have, begin mm-hmm. a conversation. And this is what we do, and this is what we can do for you. And that's kind of the definition of being a thought leader. Being uh, a person where people are sought after. I have a wonderful client in Los Angeles that um, we helped. They had never done PR before, and we've helped put them on the map. And as a result, they're getting a lot of coverage. During the Sony breach a couple years ago with right, the movie, right. uh, he commented so much about what Sony was doing wrong. Wrong, 
Uh, I, I, you know, it was just it was one of those things that Sony wound up hiring him and fixed it. And in fact, another thing during the Ashley Madison breach, which uh, Ashley Madison is a site for many yeah, people to look up. That. Well, that's, yeah. the, they also have two other sites, which is executiveman.com, which is uh, a site for older men and younger women, and then cougarclub.com, which is a site for <laughs> older women and younger men. Those two sites were left Ring alone. Ring the gong, baby. Th- those were two sites that were left alone, but Ashley Madison was exposed. And he commented on that so much that they had actually called him and said, help us fix it. And he said, I'm terribly sorry. I'm against the, the morality of your site. It's not what I'm interested in. So why don't you call my competitor, okay. which is not as good. So that's fine. Okay. And, you know, but it's one of those things. I mean, you know, you get somebody out there to the point where suddenly the phone starts ringing from people that are running into that problem and they want you to fix it. So and that's how, what we do. So how has the advent of other technological platforms, social media, mm-hmm. changed what you do for your companies? It, it's added another element. I mean, we were one of the first companies to help co- companies set up blogs. Um, one of the things we do is, uh, for example, there's a breaking news story. Uh, we'll send out a note to our clients, hey, this is breaking today. Give us a comment on it. And then we'll clean their comment up to make sure there's no spelling errors, grammatical, all that stuff. And then we package it like up and send it out to the media. Right. Well, okay. we'll send it out to the media, and they, and they can pick and choose which quotes they want. If a client had a quote that was submitted but not used, well, it doesn't go to waste. It's still content that was generated that's important and something to say. And now they've got the story that they can use as a lead on their own company blog, which every company has one now. They've got the quote that they've added, and then they've got the the backup page later for, hey, click here for more information about how you can prevent this from happening to you. So, you know, it's not wasted stuff. We found ways to optimize this. I'll give you one example. There was a the whole Apple FBI encryption uh, case. There was an injunction, and we got word about the injunction. Sent a quick note out to our clients, even though it was late, saying, listen, this is breaking now. If you can tear something away and let us know, send us a quote. We wound up sending it to one reporter in New York who couldn't get a hold of anybody on the phone. These two nice quotes pop up in her email box at 10 o'clock at night, her time, and she cut and pasted and dropped them both in the story, mm. and we went from sending it to being published in about 19 minutes. Okay. okay. Are you are you finding that the, that the reporter's job is changed as well? Very much so. Okay. Can you talk about yeah, that for a minute? Yeah, I'd be happy to. There, there is a big crisis with news media these days. I mean, you know, we, you know they have uh, been affected by a lot of disruptive technology, the classified ads that used to fund a lot of stuff is gone. Right. Um, it's very segmented. You have, and people are still trying to fill the same amount of stuff with far less staff. And you're finding that the reporters are getting younger and younger because they're less and less expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of them just don't have the institutional knowledge. And we're trying to be as helpful as possible. So we really try to respect their deadlines, what they're writing about. And, you know, I mean, I hate to say, we do some things old fashioned. We read the work of the people that are writing the stories so we know what to pitch them. Okay. There are automated tools out there for PR people that are used all the time. But you know what? If you rely on those things, you know, I, the argument that happens all the time, well, this product said this, this program says you cover this. Well, you don't read my work then, do you? Because I don't write about that. Right. And, you know, we, you know, the, one of the greatest compliments I ever got from an editor was a guy named David Strom, who's a longtime technology editor, and he introduced me to another writer named Esther Schindler, who I just spent some time with at a client in Budapest. And uh, he said, yeah, Dan's old school. He actually reads your work before he pitches you. Hmm. And that's what we do. Okay, I mean, so you I mean, show them respect. Yeah, well, we, you're supposed to show them respect. I mean, look, we've got clients that we work for, and they pay us, but we have the media we work for as well. If we don't have good relationships with all those, peop- those people, I'm not going to have any clients that pay me. So it, we have to have it go both ways. Is it your experience, Dan, that the more that uh, these early-stage companies can do getting free publicity, getting quoted... Well, it's not free. Okay, I understand. But, but, well, but, you, know, but, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah, uh, it gets some exposure. It gets some mind share. Does it help also then maybe get them on the radar screen of possible acquirers? Yes, absolutely. Uh, there's, there's no question about that. Um, what we really work really hard on, we, I, do, I do little things differently than other agencies. We don't have minimum monthly retainers.
retainers. A lot of uh, agencies have a minimum monthly retainer that some of my clients would just find uh, oppressively offensive, um, expensive, okay. and, and offensive, frankly, because because even at the minimum monthly retainer for the bigger agencies, they're going to get a bunch of kids that don't really know what they're doing, that aren't going to get the results, and not going to be happy. Uh, and why would I turn down an opportunity to work with a really cool company just because they can't pay? Whatever. So, mm-hmm. I mean, my clients are all over the place. And I usually say, okay, what can you afford and what do you want to do? And then we build a program to that. Okay. And we make it as very interactive as possible. And we really partner with our clients. We have clients every now and then that listen, next couple of months are really going to be tight. Can we take a break for three months? And yeah, sure, we don't that's, like to, but we what will. what happens when you work with small yeah. companies, right? You've got you to be able to, to flex to. with them. If you can't partner with them, then, you know, I mean, they value the partnership. Right. They, and, and, you know, here's the thing. So we've been on, we had a hiatus with one client and a perfect opportunity falls in our lap call them here you want to do this and they were like yeah i mean and, and they got coverage and like thanks so much you know right. and so i'll just roll it over to the billing when we start up again in a couple right. of months that's a difference between a transaction and a relationship exactly we're in the relationship business right. we really are right okay we, we only have a few minutes left sure so if somebody would like to learn let's start here usually this is the last question but i'll get it out of the way now how does somebody find you online really easy it's really? a tough last name uh, just uh, i would google madison alexander pr i have a facebook page and the facebook page for the agency is really simple it's all the results we get for clients so you can go on that page and every time you see a story there there's a client in that particular story okay uh, my linkedin profile will give you more about me and what people say about me i think that i've got a combination of uh nice recommendations from past clients past colleagues media analysts you know, that sort of thing. I've got, I think, in excess of 50 at this point, which is really kind of, And it's very humbling. You know, I mean, we, we, we just really try to do their best for our clients we can. You know, and, and and I have to say, I start every new month with a client, no matter how long we've worked with them, with a sense of panic. Oh, my God, what are we doing from this month? Because <laughs> if you get too comfortable and rest yes. on your loyalty, you're not going to, you know. Right. Hey, remember what I did for you six months ago? That was six months ago. Yeah, that was okay? nice, Dan, but, yeah. yeah that was six months that ago. Was that six doesn't months help ago. me today, you know. Okay. And um, so, but, but what we offer for... For most smaller companies and innovators is we can work with you for less than it would cost you to hire a PR manager who doesn't have our connections, who doesn't get all the things and opportunities across our desk that cross ours. We can do some great work for you for what you can afford to spend. So, so what do you think, the, what, what's the average time from jump, okay, let's work together, to when you're able to kind of get them in a groove where they're getting kind of consistent coverage? Um, I, I see typically... It can be zero to 90 days, to be okay. very honest with you. Okay. Um, but that's, that's reasonably I mean, quickly. That's reasonable. I mean, uh, six months is better, but you know, the, the highlight, as long as people get it and understand it, because you can have the biggest budget in the world, but if you don't know what you want to say to the media, you're not going to get any coverage. Right. So we work really hard in training our, our clients and also talking to them. Like when you talk to a reporter, you talk to an editor, you talk to a blogger, an analyst, it's the first conversation you have with them. It's not the last. It's going to be an ongoing thing. Mm-hmm. And um, I like to actually, I don't, I'm one of those people, I don't feel like if you you well trained your media your your client to speak to the press. You don't have to sit there and monitor every little thing that's said. Mm. It's, How's it going? Because reporters, frankly, hate that. If the, if if I'm in a meeting uh, and, and there are two PR people, that's too too many sometimes. You know, it's like right. how'd it go? Any action items for me? What do I need to worry about? Uh, and that's how it goes. And a lot of our, our clients are very very good. Uh, again, one client, I, I say the guy is technically brilliant. He can explain complex security technology in plain English, so your mother-in-law will understand it. And the last part is irresistible to the media, which is I can't control what he says. Okay. Okay. So you and never know. True. No, you know, honestly, and he. Call he he calls it as he sees it and uh, lets it fall as it may, and he suffers no recrimination from it. Um, One last question sure. for you: How has technology and just a sense of social media, etc., impacted your business? 
do people think they can do it themselves because they have these platforms that they should be able to get the word out without having to work through um, a professional like you? I, I think the platforms give people uh, uh, an opportunity to publish their own thing and build their own story, and that's great. But you, they still have to have uh, an avenue to bring readers there. There are tools, for example, on Twitter to get a lot of followers quickly, yeah. but a lot of them are awful, terrible. So you need to grow that organically over time. And, and Twitter likes you to get as many followers as you follow, and you have to you know, work really hard to build that up organically. Uh, same thing with Facebook, same thing with um, you know, LinkedIn. If you're writing your own blog, you need to publish regularly, and it takes a lot of work to get that stuff out. Once you got right. a blog post, now you got to share it on LinkedIn. you got to tweet about it. you got to put it up on Facebook. And you just get it out there. But the, the, the thing is, there are tools that help you get SEO for search engine optimization, help you get exposed. But what really gets coverage is when I send your press release to a report and say this is a good story uh and we work that over or or you know i mean just reminding people that you know you're here to explain a story and and make it work and that's how it goes so one last time how do they find you online uh madison alexander pr.com is the uh, url uh, the website is in the midst of being updated um you can always uh find me on twitter my handle is at TechFlack, T-E-C-F-L-A-C-K. It's sort of a derogatory term for a PR person, but I like it. Okay. And um, I'm on Facebook, and uh, I do have a LinkedIn profile for my, my last name, but uh, and I'm based in Old Town, Dustin. I had a, a nice little thing. I have about uh, 12 people that work for me, and I put teams together based on a client's needs and what expertise they require. Thank you for sharing a little Thank bit of you what so you much. know. And I've enjoyed it. Thank you, Dan Chemolensky. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to take, if you're listening to the live stream, we're going to take a short break here and we'll get back to the radio show in a little bit. If you're listening to a podcast, this ends this segment of Critical Mass Radio Show, and I hope that you will continue to listen to the next show that will be coming up here shortly. You have been listening to Critical Mass Radio Show Business Talk Show, focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies. With your host, Richard Franzi. 